I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham. And we're happy to be joined back on Max and Murphy by Zach Iskell, now running for New York City Comptroller. Zach, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me back on the show. It's great to be back here. So we talked not that long ago. You were running for mayor. Tell us about the switch here. You're running for controller now. You want to be the, uh, the city's chief fiscal officer, the chief watchdog over the city's agencies and budget. Um, what, what happened here? Yeah, so number one is I want to serve the city of New York. I love New York, and I want to serve this city for some time. As you know uh, from our previous conversations, uh, that journey really started – uh, with my time helping Trent lead the turnaround at Javits Medical Center uh, back in March, April, May, and even part of June, um, and seeing the real need for leadership in this city. You know, we jumped into the mayor's race just about later than everybody else in October. Um, we made an assessment that if we did really well on fundraising, um, that uh, at the filing deadline, the field would thin out. It didn't really thin out. Um, in fact, the race became more crowded. Uh, and one of the things that I believe is that to lead New York City's recovery, for this city to recover, it's going to require um, a remarkable team. Uh, it's going to need a great mayor, a great comptroller, great city council members. Um, and so when I looked at the fields, I looked at where I could best serve the city. Some of the things I talked about on the campaign trail was really about rooting out waste, fraud, abuse, and corruption, making sure that the city's tax dollars and the revenues are going to where they need to go to serving the people of New York City, not to special interests. And then also, I think that there is a huge role the comptroller can play in leading New York City's economic recovery. Um, and that there's ways of reinventing that role for the times that we are in that I was really excited to step into. Okay. So this wasn't the plan all along to uh, sort of get a bunch, get some buzz going and raise some money in the mayoral race and then and then slip to the controller race. It was not the plan all along, but, you know, I, I have a military background and we always we're always looking at contingencies. Reassess, uh, you know, yeah. prior prior planning prevents. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, so. Let's talk about the platform then more for this this race that you're now in. Um, so you're running in the Democratic primary, fast approaching in June. We were in something of a stretch run here for four months to go, basically. At 119 days, but who's counting? Yeah. So you, let's start with what you just mentioned, uh, the city's economic recovery. That's something you quickly put uh, a plan out on. What are some of the pillars that you think uh, would, would contribute to a strong economic recovery for the city? Yeah. And, and how would you as controller, make make it happen. Yeah. So number one is when we traditionally think about the comptroller's role, we think about it in the job of an independently elected office. It's an executive role where you're leading a team of 800 accountants, lawyers, and engineers who are responsible for holding the mayor in check and holding city agencies in check, auditing their performance and making sure they're doing their job, in addition to chairing the, the city's five pension funds. I think that one of the things that the comptroller can do uh, is really lead investments in New York City, making sure that the pension fund is invested in New York City. Also making sure um, that city contractors, businesses that are doing business with the city, uh, funds that are managing the city's pension funds are also invested in the city's recovery. What do I mean by that? I mean, one of the things that I would I would look for is I'd want a one-page memo from everybody doing business with the city, uh, from anybody managing our dollars, describing how they are committed to New York City. They move their offices to Florida or are they doubling down in New York City? How are they spending their philanthropy? How are their employees spending their volunteerism? 
what are they doing to provide economic opportunities to kids graduating from our high schools or from our city colleges to make sure that they have access to some of these jobs? I think there's also some really interesting opportunities to innovate and help create new industries in New York. You know, Local Law 97 um, mandates that 50,000 buildings in New York City uh, create uh, energy efficiencies um, to reduce the city's um, emissions footprint. Uh, that's about a $20 billion capital requirement over the next 10 years that would create a hundred to 150,000 jobs and create, you know, a, not just a cottage industry, a New York city size industry in the green economy. And so I think there's a lot of ways that, that we can use this position to, um, create economic opportunity, to create jobs, to create pathways to success for New Yorkers, in addition to the traditional job of making sure that every dollar this city spends in a time of fiscal constraint is spent well and going to where it's needed and not lining the pockets of politicians or special interests. Um, talk about the role of, of controller, though, as an oversight role, as an auditor-in-chief, uh, as you know, a, a big, you know, one of the main checks, really, on the mayor and the mayoral administration, how would you approach that part of the job broadly and then specifically the audit powers? Yeah. So I think one of the interesting things is, is like when you talk to people in New York City, um, you know, New Yorkers are in fundamental agreement about what some of the big issues are facing the city, right? We got to get through COVID. Um, we've got to get through this pandemic. We've got to bring back jobs. Uh, we've got to increase city, uh, um, you know, the, the employment um, rates in the city. Um, in addition to that, we've got to address homelessness. Uh, we've got to do it in a humane way where we aren't just criminalizing homelessness, but we're taking care of people who are homeless. You know, Monday night, I spent the night at Penn Station. Penn Station has turned into a homeless shelter. Uh, it is... Um, indefensible in a city that's spending 90, 95 billion dollars a year, more than 48 or 50 states, three billion of which is going to homelessness, where we've increased that spending over the last 10 years from a billion dollars to three billion dollars. One of the only places in America that's seen an increase in homelessness. There's no New Yorker that doesn't agree that we need to close the education gap, uh, that we need to make housing more affordable. Um, and so I think one of the things that the comptroller can do with the audit powers um, is make sure that the city is actually taking ground on these issues, right? So let's take homelessness, for example. If we're spending $3 billion a year on homelessness, is it going to, you know, I mean, you saw that New York Times article a couple weeks ago um, about the, uh, the homeless contracting firm up in the Bronx, Hector Rivera, uh, $240 million contract was used to help this guy buy vacation homes, fancy cars, pay off women, uh, pay off the silence of women who he had sexually assaulted, who were living in those shelters. Um, you know, the comptroller can step in and make sure that these city agencies, these city contracts are being done properly. They can root out corruption. And more importantly, they can make sure that those dollars are going to actually solve these problems. You know, I know that you know this, but I ran uh, a very successful nonprofit called the Headstrong Project, in addition to running a number of businesses. Uh, Headstrong Project, 85 cents out of every dollar we spent went to treating veterans. We knew that we were able to provide care at a third of the cost and 3x the outcomes. We're in 30 cities. We're taking care of 800 to 1,000 veterans every single week. It's because we know that 
um, how to measure those outcomes and how to make sure that the dollars we are spending are going to deliver those outcomes. And so I think that the comptroller in that position in looking at city agencies, looking at the nonprofits doing the work for a lot of the work for the city, looking at business contracts, uh, can make sure that those dollars are being spent wisely and affecting real outcomes on these issues. So, you know, there's been no lack of um, ambition in the comptroller's office, right? People have historically used it to then run for mayor. And so a lot of what they've done in the office is aggressively holding the mayor accountable. And for the most part, you know, there's, there's been ways to quibble with that, certainly. But for the most part, the folks in the office have been pretty aggressive about it. Um, and of course, there's charted charter mandated responsibilities there that they had to uphold, including, you know, the audit and the oversight powers and more. But still, as you're getting at, there's so much that seems broken in city government. There's so much inefficiency. There's such a lack of accountability. Yeah. How is, how, what, what's your sense of what's really wrong there and how would you change it? Yeah. So I think first off, um, we need new leadership. We need experienced leadership. You know, we need people who know what they're doing. We need people who have experience. You know, I've led in business. I've led in nonprofits. I've led in government. I've led government agencies. I've led in the military. Um, We need experienced leadership, but we also need leadership that um, cares more about the real outcomes and how they affect people's lives uh, than the outcome of winning an election or catering to a constituency. You know, for me personally, um, I've lost Marines. I've led troops to some of the heaviest combat of the Iraq war. Losing an election is not the worst thing that will happen to me. Losing my morals, my values, uh, betraying the trust of the people that have elected me into the office, um, that is far worse. And so I think we need leadership that is going to do the right thing um, and not just play politics as usual. And I think that's the starting point. Um, You know, on top of that, um, you know, it's been, you know, we've had a long summer in New York City. We've had, you know, 10 years of increasing city revenues, uh, spending going wildly out of control. You know, it's six, seven years ago, spending was $67 billion a year. Now it's 90, $95 billion a year. People have been asleep at the wheel. Nobody's been making hard decisions. Nobody's really been thinking about, are we spending these dollars wisely? Well, winter is here. And now it's time for us to start figuring out how we continue to provide these vital services, how we take care of our city's most vulnerable, how we keep the American dream alive in New York City while spending less. Um, and, you know, that's going to require attention to detail. That's going to require a lot of tenacity. And it's going to require somebody that is not going to play politics as usual. If let's say the city's facing, let's say, a roughly $5 billion budget deficit for the fiscal year after after next. Um, there's so many unknowns at this point, but let, let's say it sticks around $5 billion in terms of a deficit that needs to be closed. Other than finding a couple billion dollars in city efficiencies at agencies, other than maybe, you know, uh, headcount attrition that helps with that, are there other big pieces to the equation that you think are needed to close the city's budget deficits um, other than sort of belt tightening at city agencies? 
Yeah. So I think belt tightening is is one, right? We we eliminated the the program to eliminate the gap, which was, you know, instituted where each year city agencies would look to identify three to five percent of savings. I mean, there's a famous story about the Commonwealth of the Marine Corps. Commonwealth of the Marine Corps used to at the end of every fiscal year walk across the the river to Congress and actually hand back a check. Uh, and it was sort of a statement that we as Marines do more with less. We need to get that, we need to imbue that culture within city agencies. Um, and so I think there are things like that. I know that de Blasio has temporarily reinstated that, but that really needs to become uh, part of the, the usual practice, again, of city government. Uh, there are other things, right? You know, I mean, the city naturally attracts 22,000 people a year. If we hired back half as many, uh, that would create a billion dollars a year in savings. I think there's um, also really interesting ways of using the capital budget to invest in things that create greater efficiencies. For example, we pay four times more to have our trash picked up in New York City than any other place in the world. If we invest in greater automation around trash removal, there are capital investments we can make that save money over the long term. So I think there's there's a lot of stones that we can look under. There's a lot of places to look. Um, to and a lot. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Last thing. We got two more minutes. So I want to get to one other thing, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I would say is, is also, you know, when we look at programs that are taking care of our city's most vulnerable, making sure that we're getting the most out of every dollar. Um, we know that the problems that the city's facing are deeply interconnected. We need to come up with holistic solutions. If I can just give you two quick examples. One sure. is um, with the education gap. Um, we need to use schools as a place where people aren't just going to get an education, but where if a child is housing insecure, uh, food insecure, technology insecure, that that's a point of contact that we have with that child and that family where we can then provide those families, not those services, not in a silo, but holistically. Um, I think there's great examples of that with homelessness as well, where you start to get more from your buck because you are creating holistic solutions to some of these seemingly intractable problems. One final question, but before that, um, a quick, yeah. quick yes or no. Um, do you think city government employees need to start contributing to their health care premiums? I, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, I think I think one of the things that, that I am very concerned about is I think when we look at the, the revenue projections for the city, I think the city, when I talk to small business owners, big business owners, uh, when I talk to people that are working around this city, I think there's a very real risk that collections are going to be far below where we expect them to be. Um, at the same time, um, there are a lot of city workers who are not paid fairly. You know, I have two sisters, my Iraqi sisters who are in the NYPD. They're making less than 40K a year. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we have to acknowledge that uh, there's no easy answer to these questions. And it's not like just removing a cost removes the cost. It's still there. You're still paying for it in some form or some fashion. And so we really need to be thoughtful in how we do the math on these issues. All right. Real quick on this one. We'll have other conversations down the line. But would yeah. you approach other than what you've mentioned already um, in terms of trying to sort of reinvest some of the money in the pension funds, um, you know, to aid the city's recovery. Is there one other thing you do differently in terms of stewardship of the public pension uh, funds? I mean, that, that's a, that is a big one. I also think that we need to look at other models that are more successful in the management of pension funds. New York city has one of the largest pension funds in the country, if not the world. Um, we're in the financial capital of the world. Uh, we spend $400 million a year on fees. Uh, you look at the Canadian model, 
Um, Canadian model. They don't really outsource much of their investments. They have one of the world's greatest teams working in-house. I think that's something that Canadian model is really worth looking at. Um, it would right, save we'll, the city. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to leave it there, but we'll talk more about that next time. We'll, we'll dive right. into the pension fund stuff. Zach Iskell is a democratic candidate for New York city controller. Thanks for taking some more time with us. Ben, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, thanks for all the work you're doing co- covering this, uh, these elections. It's really remarkable. It is. It is something. Uh, thanks for the time. We'll talk with you more soon. Sounds good. All right.